Hello, and welcome to Catholicism in the Car. My name is Parker Zerbal. Okay, um, I want to continue this conversation about the argument for Catholicism from uh, the philosophical paradigm of realism. Okay, there's a couple isms there, and I think I've unpacked both of those substantially enough for people to get a good understanding of what I'm talking about. So last time we kind of went over how... Um, uh, how I, I kind of take Blessed John Duns Scotus's view of realism into account when formulating this argument, um, and I mean I'm not going to say it's a strong argument. I don't I don't think it is, but um, it is it is an argument that one can add to their quote-unquote arsenal. Um, because particularly when thinking about things like the papacy, the history is, is not as clear as we would hope, uh, you know, and neither is scripture. Scripture is also not as clear as we would hope. Um, it does not demonstrate a papal precedent, you could say. Um, neither scripture nor history does, I think, adequately. Um, and I mean, hi history and scripture don't adequately justify, you know, another view either, I would say. Um, because they were, I mean, for history, it was, it was a different time. Um, you know, maybe the papacy existed in a form that we wouldn't consider now um, and maybe he did have maybe the successor of Peter did have the spiritual gifts of infallibility and supremacy but you know did not act upon them in clear ways and and, and really I mean taking the second Vatican Council into into account here you know, these papal prerogatives are supposed to be used rarely. Um, the church uh, is not conciliar out of necessity, but it should be conciliar out of um, out of charity, really. Uh, you know the pope. The pope shouldn't be proclaiming every little witch thing as, you know, a dogmatic statement or an infallible statement. Um, you know that would be, I think, by most people's standards, an abuse of the papal office, abuse of the power, the power of binding and loosing that is not only given to Peter but is given to the other apostles as well. So this is why I, I want to propose a more philosophical argument for Catholicism 
and specifically for the papacy. Now, the, the key nugget in this argument is getting to the point where it is a logical consequence of one's view of realism that the church should be imaged, um, the church on earth should image the church in heaven in every way, including the hierarchy. Okay? Because we are enfleshed souls, which is an idea you really don't get in a nomin- from a nominalistic point of view, because we are enfleshed souls, not dualistic soul body, like, like souls within bodies that are contained within, and the essence of the person is the soul. No, 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 no. We are enfleshed souls. The essence of our person is to be an enfleshed soul. Thus, the body and the soul is necessary for someone to be entirely human. This means, as I've stated before, that uh, what is traditionally thought of as heaven, where the soul is separate from the body before the bodily resurrection at the end of time, that definition of heaven is not ideal at all. It's actually... Uh, so it's not just a supernatural state, but it's also really an unnatural state for man. Now, not for the angels, but for man, it is an unnatural state. And it's also a supernatural state because of man being in the presence of God and God holding man in existence, despite the fact that he should not be able to be in existence as just a soul. So I want to think through some of the finer points of this argument because it's it's kind of just budding in my in my brain i've been working on it here for a few months um and i haven't laid it out strictly you could say it's kind of been a mental a mental outline um and i think there have been some good light bulbs that have gone off in my head by the grace of god um Not, I'm not saying any of this is inspired. I'm saying God has given me the grace to make these logical connections um, either by, you know, some sort of low-key illumination, although that's doubtful, um, or by what's much more likely uh, just by giving me my logical faculties, my reasoning faculties, faculties, um, within my body and soul that allow me to make these sort of connections. And I'm not saying this is unique either. Uh, there's, there's probably people that have made this kind of argument. Um, I just haven't run across it. Uh, I'm not claiming to be uh, positing anything new here. Uh, anyway. So I think some of the hardest jumps in this argument, and they probably are jumps at this point in time, logical jumps, because I haven't worked it all out, are between the premise of realism, the definition then of like statistic realism, and then getting to the point where, uh, you know, body-soul composite is necessary. Because it seems like everything kind of then flows from that. That's almost like a second premise within the argument is that body, soul, 
uh, composites in flesh souls are the necessary nature of man instead of a dualistic nature. And I, I think some light might be shed by picking apart the, the dualist con concept, okay? How could man be body, both body and soul while yet his soul is truly him? Like, it would mean that man, if the true part of man is his soul and his body is just a casing or, a, or even, you know, better, you know, clothing, um, you know, that makes it so that using that kind of analogy, or maybe it's not analogy, maybe the person is saying this legitimately, as do many Protestants, where they say that man is uh, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So and in the same way, one might say man is clothed in his body. Um, now this brings along with it a lot of baggage, I think, and a lot of problems. Uh, I don't think you can say that from a realist perspective. Um, and this is because, from a realist perspective, God and man are not... Uh, their, their beings are... Let, let's say, strictly, they're they're equivocal. I'm not saying that in the Thomistic sense. I'm saying it in a different sense where like, they're not really the same thing. Okay, they're not really the same thing. And in a nominalistic standpoint, there really is no such thing as the being of man. And, and probably not the being of God. Like, there's no such thing as God's nature. God is just an individual thing. And that also brings a ton of problems. 